Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I've determined that to achieve success, we can keep it simple, which for me is an acronym for significantly impacting many people's lives every day. And of course, what better way to keep it simple than to produce a kick-ass podcast where I, along with my very smart, very savvy, successful, uber cool and interesting guests join me to share stories, insights and lessons learned along the way as they live their life while investing in real estate and growing their businesses. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional deal gone wrong. Because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate. From the life they're now able to live to the person they've become along the way as they've pursued their dreams in having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. As this is the premiere for The Everyday Millionaire, I'd like to take some time to explain how it came about and perhaps provide you a context for this series. Now, the idea for The Everyday Millionaire was born out of a culmination of a number of different thoughts and ideas and many conversations with others. But it began to evolve as I've had cause to reflect on my own life, the 35 years I've been in business and the life my family and I have created and enjoy living. Secondly, it was born out of my observations and experience, which I've gained over more than 20 years now of coaching, of educating and supporting the success of hundreds of individuals and groups of people who in my world happen to be real estate investors and entrepreneurs and business owners and who have been committed to learning and taking steps in building a more certain financial future for themselves and their families. As the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network, I feel fortunate to have had the opportunity to spend time getting to know a number of very successful people and of also having the opportunity to witness their journey, in some cases being part of it, and not just their wins, but occasionally their falters and certainly some of their failures. These aren't the ultra high net worth people who profile you may see sometimes on television or that we seem to be inundated by in today's world of high connectivity and instant news or get rich quick secrets that seem to fill our inboxes or pop up on our social media feeds. Instead, these are people who, if you, if you met them, you'd likely consider them to be pretty regular folks who have simply managed to create some extraordinary results. Many are individuals who worked hard at gaining knowledge and learning strategies for investing in real estate, and they did that while they continued to build their businesses or their careers, and most had to really stretch themselves to bust through their fears and taking action and honoring their commitment to themselves and their families 
to grow their net worth and secure their financial futures and to build an extraordinary life. My intention for this podcast is to peel the onion, to see and share what it took these individuals to achieve an everyday millionaire result, to have them lift the hood, so to speak, and let me look into their lives and have them share their stories and insights of their journey for not only how they managed to achieve their results, but as importantly, how they continue to do it. I'm going to continue to define an everyday millionaire as we go deeper into the podcast. But before I get to that, I'm going to slow down or maybe even take a step back and begin with considering the literal definition of a millionaire. If you were to look in Wikipedia, it would simply define a millionaire as an individual who has access to at least $1 million in investable assets. And that doesn't include their principal residence or items such as jewelry or nice cars, boats, etc. And I want to emphasize here that this is not just all about the money. The literal definition of a millionaire is actually secondary to the intention of this podcast, which is to have meaningful conversations with some ordinary but pretty successful people and to discover and share the lessons and strategies of those who aren't members of the Lucky Sperm Club or they haven't won a lottery or received a large inheritance. And yet in spite of not living within any of those conditions, they've managed to build a million or even multi-million dollar net worth. And they've created a great lifestyle for themselves and their families along the way. In my research, I was recently reminded of a book that I read many years ago now, and it was called The Millionaire Next Door. It's a book that was written in about 1996 by an author named Thomas Stanley. And he had coined the phrase and then used it as the title of his book. And in the book, he described individuals who just quietly and with no fanfare had built great wealth. They drove older cars. They lived in a simple home in average neighborhoods. And they spend and live well below their means. And along the way, they had quietly saved and invested their money and managed to accumulate millions of dollars in net worth. He described how they lived and the many things they do to amass their small fortunes. But what Thomas discovered was that by all accounts, at least on the surface, there was really nothing particularly special about these individuals. They were seemingly ordinary people who created extraordinary wealth, and they did it very quietly. They flew under the radar of their neighbors, their friends and and even their families. (laughs) And ultimately, they didn't want or need anyone else to know. Now, to emphasize that point, you know, for example, if he had written that book in today's world, these individuals would not be the ones that, you know, self-promote or boast on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever other popular social media platforms we view. Perhaps they would share pictures of their families or share a few highlights of their last vacation if they took one, but that would be the extent. The reality is that there are significant differences and truths about the mentality and the beliefs of this group versus the social media images of today that often actually seemingly define society's perception of what wealth is about or what it should even look like. 
Well, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to all the notions of the millionaire next door strategies or the lifestyle. There are a number of lessons and foundational realities in that book that are they're a necessary part of any successful wealth building plan, and they still apply. This Everyday Millionaire podcast is intended as a way for you to learn from surprisingly ordinary folks how to define and create a financially certain life and lifestyle. And within the framework of these podcasts, I'm going to look really far beyond just how to make money or the research or statistical data that I'm going to provide. And I'm going to do that by engaging in conversations and asking questions of my guests and getting answers for how they achieved their above average results, including I want to hear about their challenges and trials and the tribulations in creating the wealth that really so many people seem to dream of. But I don't just consider what they did or what they do, but I also want to look at who they've had to become to achieve the outcomes and how they now have to show up in the world. I want to hear from them about their personal and professional development and their biggest lessons along the way or the obstacles that they overcame. And I want to hear their views and their philosophy on life. I really sincerely hope for this podcast series to become a resource and perhaps even a tool to support and help you to go deep on the answers to the questions of the how-tos for creating a level of financial mastery that statistically shows barely 1% of the population has even managed to achieve. For some of you listening, a million dollars may seem to be a pretty lofty goal to shoot for, but I believe that you're going to discover that an everyday millionaire is likely a lot like you. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't be uncommon to hear an everyday millionaire say that if I can do it, anyone can do it, or if I can do it, you can do it, because they don't believe that they're anyone particularly special. They do what they do. So I think you're going to see that the everyday millionaires I interview will help you gain a perspective for what wealth creation can really mean. And you gain their views of what it's all about. And from that, you can perhaps define and give meaning to it for yourself, which includes defining what it means to you beyond just the literal definition of being a millionaire and of having money. What I've come to see is that everyday millionaire conversation is not just a discussion of financial wealth because money is only one aspect of wealth. I'm going to examine how to create wealth in other areas of our lives, such as being wealthy through having physical or emotional health, you know, combined with our familial, relational, spiritual, and our vocational wealth. I want to share a, a broad perspective, which is going to include the views of the ultra-wealthy, but my primary intention is to dig into conversations with the everyday millionaires who don't happen to be the public personas or the seemingly overachieving uber-wealthy that we can often see, once again, pop up on our social media feeds. But these individuals are achievers nonetheless, but they most quietly go about their business and create an amazing life from wealth that's generated by working hard at doing what they love to do and consistently delivering results. And yes, they fail and, and certainly they falter, 
but they also seem to realize that that's something that is a normal part of growing wealth. And ultimately, they just remain confident that they will actually succeed. These are individuals who are inspired and driven to be a significant contribution to their businesses or their places of business. They are mindful and thoughtful, intentional in their focus on building amazing careers, and they're committed to elevating themselves to be outstanding people who do their best to be a contribution to their families and, and their friends and their communities. And I think what you'll see is that most often these individuals achieved it and live it every day, and they do it with really little or no limelight and likely few, if any, accolades. And they all have, you know, the same normal things going on in their lives as anyone would have, as you and I would have, whether it be kids and kids' schedules and challenges and deaths and families and all of the things that go on in business. And as much as they may not see themselves as special, you know, for me, I believe these individuals are in fact pretty special. And at least from a financial perspective, it's easy to see just even by the statistics, which shows that they've achieved what about 99% of the population has not achieved even though many of the 99% say they want to increase their wealth. They actually haven't done what it takes to do that. My observation and research has shown that their uniqueness is in that they share a number of uncommon qualities in how they create their wealth. And beyond the money, how they actually live their life while creating and building their financial futures. So let's take a breath and take a moment to redirect and begin to define what a million dollars in investable assets mean. For a moment, I'm just going to make it all about the money. For example, let's start by considering that if we account for inflation to maintain the value and the same buying power of a million dollars, let's say 25 years ago in 1990, it would take almost double that amount in today's dollars. And when I did the math, it turns out you need more than $8 million in 2017 to have the equivalent buying power of what $1 million could buy you back in 1958. And that was of interest to me because it happens to be the year I was born. So why is any of this important for us to understand? Well, the reason is because when we do the math, we realize that only 2% inflation, it means that in 25 years from today, you're going to need at least a million point six of today's dollars and more likely 2 million to have the same buying power as our $1 million has today. And we could look at it from another perspective and perhaps even simplify it to another level. And if you were to take a million dollars in unvested cash and stuff it in your mattress, for example, it would mean that in 25 years from today, it would buy less than 50% of the same goods and services and lifestyle that 1 million buys you today. Why all of this is so important to understand is that it shines a pretty bright light on needing to have a plan and put it in place for building and growing our finances, understanding what leverage is, understanding what return on investment means, and how, for example, inflation affects that. Now, in future podcasts, 
I'm going to look forward to hearing about and I'm going to examine and discuss the strategies and the mechanics of proven ways to create wealth. But for now and beyond the how-tos or any preamble of a description or a context for an everyday millionaire, what I've learned from many is that we have to look at how becoming a everyday millionaire is actually quite simple. And, and that's not to say it's easy. In addition to that, I've also learned it's definitely not all about the money. It, it really isn't. It may sound cliche, and maybe it is, but it really is about our life's journey and the life we design and choose to live while growing our wealth. There really isn't, I'll be happy when. There only is the power of now, to quote Eckhart Tolle. And our happiness can only be experienced today because it can't be a future state that, well, so many seem to strive for, but realize that they'll just never arrive. Here's the thing. As a real estate investor, an educator, a coach, a business owner, as an everyday millionaire, I feel fortunate to be surrounded by other everyday millionaires who create and grow their wealth. And what I've observed and experienced is each of them consistently follow many of the same fundamental processes. I'd suggest that those processes are actually, you know, perhaps we could call them the unbreakable rules for anyone who lives or wants to live the life of an everyday millionaire. And what I plan to share and help you discover is not just their processes, but the possibilities for you and how you can apply them on your own journey to becoming an everyday millionaire. We can observe that these individuals are, you know, they're not pop stars, they're not actors, they're not internet gurus or even professional athletes, who also work very hard, by the way. But these everyday millionaires are instead simply hardworking, career-focused folks or often entrepreneurs or business owners. Most have invested and built a substantial real estate portfolio along with their stock portfolios. And many have combined that with other investments, you know, including cash savings or RRSPs, joint ventures or limited partnerships and what other, other vehicles are out there. There's several more. And on top of all that, their view of the world when it comes to financial certainty and success often flies in the face of what most people think they need to do or how they need to look and show up to be wealthy. I can say without question that it's rarely the images we see being driven on the evening news or Instagram or, you know, the internet in general. I've seen how these individuals often take well-planned but very price-conscious or even inexpensive vacations. And their trips are often paid for or subsidized by travel points that they've accumulated over many years of using great points rewards cards or credit card providers that have great point systems. And they pay their credit cards every month, by the way. So even if you are currently an everyday millionaire, I think you're going to start to see the value in learning not only how others create and build wealth, but of living a fulfilling life. You may hear how it takes sacrifice and discipline and hard work. And quite frankly, I think it's possible to even redefine what that even means. Because sadly, these seem to be qualities that for some can be pretty tough to live by because of the social pressure we can sometimes feel and can actually make these qualities feel wrong. Uh, 
especially it seems that we live within what seems to be a growing culture of social media-driven values and instant gratification. For an everyday millionaire, the almost total opposite of that is true. In fact, my observation and conversation with the truly wealthy I've come to know believe that, well, you're not what you drive or you're not the home you live in. And even though dressing for success is important, something I try and do, <laughs> but there are plenty of ways to do that without breaking the bank. And, and that's something else I love to do. But as much as they love to own really nice things, and they do, that's why they've worked hard to create that kind of wealth, there is no illusion. They're just things that they own, and it doesn't define who they are. But for many, myself included, by the way, there's not really a big desire to accumulate more stuff. For me and others, more stuff just becomes more things to maintain or insure or wash or, or store, which at this point in my life, for example, is not how I want to spend my time or my money. I'm committed to having these individuals share with you their explanation of how they became members of what is really a rare, financially successful few who literally make up less than 1% of North America's population and who are mostly in a position to buy or do or live pretty much any way they want. It's now their choice. I know that their experience and results will reveal the fundamental qualities of this unique group who are really prepared and actually love to dance to the beat of a different drum and where they genuinely have little or no interest in living the life of our earn and consume culture. They often live well below their means and that seems to be one of the consistent but uncommon qualities of these individuals versus most of our society. And they learn and they focus on allocating funds efficiently and in ways that build wealth because they really are inspired to play a game of having their money work harder for them than they work for their money. They never stop being inquisitive and they're learning to be more proficient in targeting investment opportunities and they're mindful of choosing inspiring careers or businesses to focus on. And most believe that living a fulfilled life built around contribution and making a difference in their world and loving what they do and who they are, that is one of their, or that is a number of their highest values. It's just not about conspicuous consumption. When I was a kid, we used to talk about the rich and the cool millionaires. Well, actually we didn't, I didn't really talk about them. I listened to my parents talk about them who weren't rich or wealthy, and they were talking with their equally not as rich or wealthy friends. But I had my vision of what that would be. And, and when I was young, I dreamed of having a million dollars and I imagined how amazing life would be. And of course, how popular I would be. And what I've now come to believe that it shone a light on for me is that we have to examine the question of what is rich. I think the definition is important. If for no other reason than to know what you're working towards or what you're working for. For example, you probably know people or have friends who meet the literal definition of financially rich, but they live their life as though they have no money or their cash could disappear perhaps any day. 
They may in fact have lots of cash in the bank, but they're just never comfortable spending it. They're generally always living in the fear of running out and you can actually see their life is not really all that rich, especially when it comes to their relationship or even their physical and mental health, just as an example. And even if they do have millions in an account, but they they live an unfulfilled existence and maybe they haven't taken a vacation forever or they're still driving an old car that they haven't fixed or they're living in a home for the past 20 or 30 years that they haven't maintained or looked after. Are they really rich? And then conversely, there's plenty of people who spend a lot of money and drive nice cars and live in grandiose homes, but they live far beyond their means, which comes at the cost of a giant and barely manageable debt load. For some, it seems the answer for what being rich means, it doesn't appear to matter, but I'm gonna suggest that to learn and to be an everyday millionaire, it does matter, and quite a lot. Let's consider for a moment that peace of mind is something of value. It's proven to be one of the highest values for why people want to create wealth. Yes, there's I wanna buy time and all those things, but peace of mind is a big deal. But that even seems to be somewhat of an illusion because in spite of money, many wealthy individuals still don't have that financial peace of mind because of their fears of running out of money. In fact, in a number of surveys that ask the question of what do you worry uh, most about, one of the top three answers to the question is money. And that's regardless of income or net worth, by the way, from, from those respondents. So we know that money is a worry for most, whether you have it or not. But it's proven that money stress could be lowered quite significantly if the money warriors were supported to shift their perspective and to truly understand their financial fitness, regardless of what it is. Yet many people choose not to understand and or effectively manage their own finances. The question of why people don't have a better handle on their financial fitness has a multitude of answers, ranging from lack of education or lack of financial literacy right through to just being lazy. But the truth remains that if you can truly grasp and accept your financial position, whether it's really great or really bad or somewhere in the middle, it's only then that you can bring change to lower your worries and your behavior around money. For example, if you accepted that your financial fitness is high, you might even start to feel comfortable spending more on yourself or being more generous with you know, family members who may need it, for example, or you may be more generous with charities. Conversely, you could shift to quit spending and living beyond your financial means and growing your credit card debt and then begin focusing on a plan for increasing your financial means, earning more income or generating more income. The way of an everyday millionaire is to gain and have financial fitness through learning to be masterful and of mastering one's life and one's lifestyle. Okay, so... What about defining wealth by actual numbers? To dig down on some of those answers, I reviewed and took a look at the RBC Wealth Management, the 2015 World Wealth Report. Now in that report and analysis, they broke rich down into three categories. 
There was high net worth, and that was those individuals with one to five million of investable assets, not including the primary residence and other hard assets like cars or jewelry. Canada has roughly 298,000 individuals in this category, which is a little less than 1% of our 33 million population. There was then the mid-tier millionaires, which is those with 5 to 30 million of investable assets. And Canada, once again, has roughly 30,000 in this category, a little less than 0.1% of the population. And then there was the category called ultra-high net worth. Those are individuals with 30 million plus of investable assets. And Canada has roughly 3,300 in this category, or about 0.01% of the population. Now, I was actually surprised by how low those numbers seemed. Once again, when you're inundated with you know, social media and media and television and internet, it seems like there should have been more in Canada. But the reality is that those are the numbers. And regardless of Canada or the US, as in North America overall, those percentages don't change, although in the US, sheer population means that the numbers are significantly higher. And I think one of the challenges with these criteria in not having you know, your home as, or your primary residence as part of your net worth, for a lot of people, for example, who own properties in Vancouver and Toronto, or in you know, some of the major cities in the US, these individuals would only simply need to sell their house and then all of a sudden they instantly become high net worth. Maybe you hear these stats and you feel great because compared to the average, you know, you're right on track or perhaps you see yourself above the average. Or even then again, maybe these numbers look right out of reach and you just don't relate. You know, either way, there's no time like right now to begin to plan for creating and growing your net worth. Or for some listening, it, it may be actually time to take a long look at how you even preserve your wealth. But there is also no time like the present for beginning to think about what being rich or wealthy means for you and then to begin to define it. I think too that averages have to be taken for what they really are and that they really are just a generalization and you have to look at them closely to see that they have any relevance for you and what they really mean and where they really come from. So I'll just use an example. It's a little bit tongue in cheek. You know, if Bill Gates walked into a coffee shop with 50 people in it, and you know, maybe you would be one of those 50 people, the average net worth of the clients in that coffee shop just went to $2 billion. You know, and heck, in the case of Canada, if Bill Gates and Warren Buffett became Canadian citizens, the average net worth of our mere 33 million Canadians just went up a few million dollars each. Yes, I joke about it, but the point is, is that averages are a gray benchmark at best, and we need to really understand what the information even means to us. For me, the point really is that the lack of planning or financial fitness when it comes to finances and financial futures can be a bit difficult to believe, but it shows up in some really stark statistics of many North Americans. You know, for example, the answer to a survey question that the American feds put out to their respondents 
and they asked the question of how these individuals would pay for a $400 emergency. And that resulted in 47% of those respondents stating that they'd either have to cover the expense by borrowing or selling something, or that they just wouldn't be able to come up with the $400 at all. And it was shocking, it's just $400. And on top of that, what was also interesting was that it didn't matter what the income of those individuals were. It could have been high income and the answer remained the same. And that's just one of the many examples of the lack of financial awareness and understanding of many households. Guess what? Canadians' financial fitness doesn't appear to be all that much better. You know, that was the U.S., but for example, in Canada, only 15 to 20% of middle-income Canadians who are preparing to retire without an employer pension plan have saved anywhere close to enough to fund their retirement. And the reality is that Canadians who are within 10 years of retirement and who should be and are expected to be at their peak saving years and really socking away money for retirement just simply aren't doing so. A report that I looked and read and looked at from the Broadbent Institute, it was authored by Richard Shillington, and he found that the median value of retirement assets of Canadians aged 55 to 64 was only slightly over $3,000, which means those who are counting on just the Canadian pension plan after retirement will find themselves living on an annual income of really a mere fifteen dollars to $25,000 per year. And that, my dear listeners, are just a couple of the many reasons why I'm incredibly excited about the Everyday Millionaire podcast series, where I'm going to share how to achieve the financial fitness and the results of the top 1% of North Americans. Today, I'm going to end this podcast with a quote that I haven't been able to source, but it's a good one. And it says, if more information was the answer, we'd all be billionaires with perfect abs. Because ultimately, it's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know that makes the difference. For today, I'd like you to commit to not just receiving more information, but to commit to taking action, even the smallest of steps, and use what you learn. And then together, let's continue to build on all that we'll come to know. The first step on your journey to being an everyday millionaire can literally start right now. I want to say thank you for listening. If you feel there's value and you're so inclined, I'd appreciate if you share this podcast with others. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. Patrick out.